0: So, hello, I'm Alex Rackkeen, a barrister at 396 Chambers specialising in mental capacity and mental health law. And I'm really pleased to be joined in the shed today by Abby Babatunde. So, anyone who's ever seen or heard one of these before will know I don't really like introducing the person I'm talking to. So, Abby, over to you. Introduce yourselves to us, please. Hi, I'm Abby
1: Babatunde. I work on the advanced statements project for black African and Caribbean people, um, in short terms, ADSTAC. I'm the research associate on the project. So I run the day-to-day and I've kind of been um, setting up the project for a while and running the project. So I really want to learn about the
0: project. That's why I've got you in here, but, but let's just, do you mind just sort of giving us a little bit of background? How did you, how did you come into this?
1: Um, so in terms of my background, I've worked in student mental health and also mental health and mental illness pertaining to um, Black people and also other ethnic minorities. And I really, really loved the um, the like basis and the foundation of Adstack, which is basically to. Get these things called advanced statements or advanced choice documents, which I'm sure you know more about than I do. Um, And these things where they allow service users to have a say in how they want to be treated. And we're specifically focusing on black service users because black service users are sectioned under the Mental Health Act more than any other ethnic group. And we believe that it's really important for those of us that um, struggle the most in research or in society to have a say in how they want to be treated and to be able to formulate um, the the resources and um, the interventions for themselves. So the project basically works in collaboration with Black service users, carers and supporters of Black service users and also mental health staff to be able to create a resource that makes it easier for staff service users and carers and supporters to be able to make an advanced choice document know how to make an advanced choice document and also know what they are as well
0: so just sort of run us I mean it's I, I should declare an interest in the sense of I'm involved in the project um uh, uh, and so I, I don't we'd be slightly false pretenses to pretend I know nothing about it but but just from from, from people who know nothing about the kind of mechanics of the projects, because I know you, you've just done an enormous amount of work in terms of actually just the kind of mechanics and the logistics of getting it together. Just just explain to us, you know, where it's taking place, what's had to be done in terms of getting it up and running.
1: Yeah, so, so okay, this is like going way back, but to, to start from the start, um, we basically it was set up in having three phases so phase one is was to basically have these stakeholder workshops separately so we had separate workshops with carers and supporters with staff and with black service users to get their points of view on what they thought about current advanced choice documents or advanced statements um within south london and maudsley um NHS Trust, and then we got their opinions, got their thoughts on stuff um, pertaining to like access, use, training, um, completing advanced choice documents, and also the current documents themselves. So we had about, I think, six workshops. So we had three with staff, um, two with with Black service users, and one with um, carers and supporters just so that we have an understanding of what the issues are and what people think. And I think one of the things that we found a lot was that people didn't even know what advanced choice documents are. They didn't know what advanced statements are. And we found that a lot of it was educating people on this and having them try and think about what the service could look like or what mental health services could look like when service users and staff can work collaboratively and also service users will have more autonomy and choice over their care. So it was getting people into that mindset and once we got them into that we um we were able to get some really really rich um, results and also rich input and understanding of what people would like and what they would want. So once we did that um, a few things that came from that was a lot of um, people wanting there to be like joint training with um, staff and service users and carers and supporters. Um, there was a lot on realising that service users aren't infants or they are people that actually are able to have a choice in their care and that they, um, they don't need to be coerced into caring for themselves, especially when they are well. And there was a lot of worry about staff not being able to follow the um the advanced choice documents and staff worrying that if they're made that service users um will kind of give them something that will give a, a plan or have a plan that they aren't able to follow. So there were a lot of like different issues and the main ones that we found were that police people weren't sure if they wanted police involved in the advanced choice documents or even if police should access them because you know the relationship with between black people and the police um especially in the uk and there was a lot of fear around that there was a lot of um worry about what type of training should um should be had for this so if there should be awareness level training just so basic understanding for every single person um and then there was also if more intense training should be had so stuff around like maybe having a simulation training or like vr training to see what the realities of potentially making one um an advanced choice document would be but within a safe space before actually doing the thing and then another one was um people weren't sure if there should be a facilitator or a mediator to Work through this process. So, a uh, facilitator is basically someone that sits kind of between the service user and the carers and supporters and um, mental health professionals to navigate the process of making an advanced choice document. Uh, and I think people wanted, we people we found that people didn't necessarily agree on who should be doing this job so some people felt it should be advocates and some people felt it should be like a mental health professional who's already within a team because they will have a bit more clout and a bit more weight so doctors and staff will be able to respect them so there are issues around that and then I think the main one as well was with people um if people higher up within the trust or within services when this comes out is if there will be some type of accountability so we took all of these um frustrations and like things that weren't very decisive into phase two where we had a consensus vote and we had a it was more of like a conversation so that we could reach a general understanding of what people would want and from that we came out with people still weren't sure if they wanted police involved. That was a thing where um, it was probably that it would just have to be individual decision. Yeah, And then second thing we definitely knew that we needed a facilitator but people felt that it had to be someone that was already working within services so maybe a social worker or a nurse that had that type of weight um, with consultants and with um psychologists so that there's an equal level of respect but also they know how to have the right conversations with um service users and then also um, we found that People really, really wanted um staff to be held accountable. So we managed to figure out a way to speak with people higher up within Slam to kind of maybe get the ball rolling and have the conversations happening now, so that when these things come um into into law, that at least that Slams already started them and people higher up know what they are, so that staff are held accountable. Um, just, just a okay, bit
0: just the people who don't slam is South London and Wardsley. I'm sorry, I know you and I are so used to yeah, saying slam, okay. just other people might be in What's this slam business? So sorry, I interrupted you. So be <laughs> sure that people kind of higher ups within South London and Wardsley were kind of on board in terms of of account- potential for accountability, you know, when as this moves forward. Yeah. Interrupted you then, and then, and then yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah so um sorry about that I think it's that thing of like knowing jargon and then forgetting to explain what it is but yeah so people higher up like understanding what advanced choice documents are to ensure that staff are held accountable and I think that was something that was really important and we've already started having the conversations and we um I think we're seeing positive um, impact from that. So it's I think the thing about this project, it's more about building the foundation so that people have an understanding, but also so they is like a small understanding of what it could look like, what services could look like when um, service users and have autonomy and over their care, and staff also are working collaboratively with them. So that's something good come out the project um so then we had like a second part of phase two which was co-production workshops so we found that stuff that really needed to be um done collaboratively was figuring out what people wanted the advanced choice document to look like and creating a template with people um the second thing was having people help us and having input from carers and um, black service users and also staff about what they wanted like the trainings to look like so we worked with the recovery college to do to figure out what people would want in a training like an awareness level training how they would want it delivered and I think a lot of the basic things were stuff like People wanting to know what options they had, no, wanting to know that if they didn't want a certain medication, how they could have that type of conversation, um, wanting to just having an understanding of what advanced choice documents are and what they can and can't put in them. And then we also had another workshop with the um Maudsley simulation team where they do simulation learning um in in like mental health services and medical services and this was their first one that they've um, done with service users so they're mainly um, geared towards like professionals and people working within services as opposed to carers and supporters and service users so we had a workshop with um, the different groups of people um, all together to, so the simulation team could get an understanding of what people would want to see in a simulation, how many they should there should be, and um, like how they would want them run. And I think with the documents as well, um, the document was that people didn't want any me- medical jargon; they wanted it to be simple. And I think the main thing was that people really wanted a section like a large section about that says who they are so that they are humanized um, outside of the medical their mental health diagnosis. So stuff like I I work in this place or like I really love doing these activities so that when people see the advanced choice document, they actually know that they're treating another human being as opposed to to um just uh. Someone within services. Um. So we took all of that and then we brought that into phase three, where we made the document. We did pilots of the simulation training, and we're currently doing a pilot of the recovery college course as well. And we've done all of those and also tested out using the advanced choice document with different people, the black service users, seeing what the nitty gritty bits of the processes are that may or may not be working um and then also have a facilitator guide those processes so that's currently where we're at and we're closing up soon um but yeah like there's there are a lot of different parts to it but it's been very useful um in and enlightening and understanding like what people do and don't want but also seeing how and if it does work within services and it does work but it's we're realizing that it's a lot of attitudinal changes that also need to to happen as well
0: oh that was just such a brilliant explanation of the three phases thank you abby um that there are so many questions I, I would like to ask and i'm just trying to think of within our limited period of time that the things i'd most want to, to to focus on i suppose one of the things I, i'm really interested in is you know, quite a lot of the way through, you've, you've been talking about kind of fears people have been expressing, you know, whether that be service users or not, I actually think the fears of, on behalf of mental health staff are very, you know, interesting to to, to understand. Mm-hmm. Just because you've been with the project for a while, you know, what do you think are effective or have you th- sort of seen anything which looks effective in terms of reducing fear, you know, reducing the fears and anxieties around these documents?
1: Yeah, I think the main thing is education. So staff um and service users having an understanding of what advanced choice documents are, but also how to make a realistic document and managing, and that helps them manage their expectations of what can and can't be done, and also working collaboratively to be able to understand each group. Um it's not necessarily things that people may always on but as long as it's a plan that ensures that the person feels safe and that also staff feel that they can carry it out that's really really important so I'd say education but also actually doing the document together and setting a time and having a specific time to ensure that um, everyone kind of has a say um, and having the facilitator as well to be able to balance that um, I think that's helped a lot in reducing fears and having some, so we have the research assistant on the project um, speak to people beforehand so that they also get an understanding of what they will get from the advanced choice document. So yeah, I think education and just having people actually sit down and do them and to have each party heard, I think that's one of the big things because stuff um yeah, I think it, it helps everyone have an input. And then when there's an input from that, they can see what won't work, but and also just to reach a compromise. So in the end, it, it's the best care for the person, but also for staff to to be able to feel that they're involved in this process and it's realistic.
0: So, I mean that's super interesting. The real the really strong emphasis on the kind of collaborative side and then also. That kind of thing you were mentioning earlier. And again, the the kind of the role of the facilitator helping that kind of conversation. I mean, were people, were any people saying, you know, what all I really want to do is just, you know, do this by myself? You know, I want, you know, yes, I want to do this, but, you know, I'm not really interested in this whole collaboration business. I just want to go off and do this. I mean, was that in maybe the kind of phase one side? You know, I'm just sort of interested is how many people were there versus team effort, as it were?
1: yeah I think interestingly enough like I found that service users actually didn't really want to do them alone they feared that they would have to do them alone but that they didn't really want to because they wanted it to be something that staff actually listened to and what research has shown is that it does tend they do tend to work better when they are made collaboratively um from one of our workshops um somebody kind of said that it felt kind of like doing a benefits form it's it's something that you don't really want to do and it's very painful to do it to have to relive the person's experiences but it's um helpful because you have a working plan and you have an understanding of what needs to be done and you know that the help that you need to get so yeah I think people didn't service users didn't really want to do them alone um and I think it was understood that you don't have to do it alone but I think it was the thing of where they were worried that staff wouldn't necessarily have the time and they didn't want to burden staff so I can see where that could kind of easily slip into people ending up feeling like they have to do them alone
0: yeah i mean i mean one of the big things i mean, from having been involved in this uh, and a, a, a preceding one um uh, run by mental health and in- funded by the mental health and justice project it is there's so much around attitude and so much around time and i mean certainly that's the sort of thing in terms of supporting this to be successful is a thing which does require mm-hmm. a lot of Investment, but I mean, we are sort of almost out of time. But one, I suppose, just one question, one last question for you. I mean, if if people want, if you've inspired people, and I hope you have, you know, with with, with this, you know, if they want to kind of take this forward and take, and, you know, think about it within their own service or within their own, you know, organization or, or working with groups. What do you think the biggest message you would want, or the sort of the most important message you want to give people is?
1: I think. I'd probably say that everyone in the process needs to have an open mind um people making them service users may, and staff may not get what they want but I think there is a place where people can reach a uh, understanding to be able to make something that's realistic but also to be able to have empathy and compassion for each side um like, it's not great what service users have been through especially black service users within services but also staff are overworked and understaffed as well so i think having empathy and compassion for each side but also being able to have an open mind with the um with seeing what services could look like um and being able to to navigate that and have a a better people to have better experiences I think yeah requires an open mind and empathy and compassion and just being able to listen to um, service users as well because they have lived experience and even though staff have their expertise which is also incredibly important but if people have lived through it they do need their voices to be heard as well
0: Brilliant. Well thank you. Thank you so much, Abby. Um, and I, I know I, for one, are going to be looking with incredible interest when we start when the, the the final phases start being written up and we can sort of see, you know, what impact it's making and 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 all those sorts of things. But thank you so much for 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 outlining how we've got to the point where we're at. Thank you for your time.
1: Thanks for having me.